Hi, and welcome to Drafting Compliance. I'm Kane. He's Tom. And in our last episode, we talked about awareness and training. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about physical and environmental protection. Uh, and that was based on a conversation I had recently about fire extinguishers, which which made me think about this. But first, Tom, I, ha I have some good news. Um, I was able to give away our surplus beers we have from recording the show at a recent ski trip. That's excellent. So somebody got some pleasure out of out of the different um, nuanced beers that we've tried. Certainly, it wasn't you getting that pleasure. So I'm glad somebody does. You know, they they did ask me to try one at lunch, and I will say it uh, it met my expectations of being absolutely terrible. <laughs> Well, hope, hopefully today's beer uh, isn't terrible because it's one of my favorites. So we'll, yeah. we'll give it a try and uh, we'll see what you think of it. Yeah, so, so Tom sent me this very large can of beer. Um, I don't know why it's this big. Uh, th th are they supposed to be this big, Tom? Well, certainly my can isn't that big. So you just got lucky. Oh, uh, this is Lagunitas Little Something Something. It is a, it's a wheat IPA. So that should excite you, I would think. I will tell anybody who's listening that wants to try this, this beer does hit a little bit. It's 7.5% ABV. Oh, good. So be careful how much you drink. And Kane, that big can may just be a little too much for you. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it's uh, I think more than like this much out of it might be too much for me, honestly, the way I drink beer. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I propose that we crack this, pour it. It's not all going to fit in here, buddy. It's just, it's not. I'm... Well, you can uh, be judicious in your pour. Okay. Well, I'm going to try and get it because I'm still learning how to pour beer on camera here. So, you know, for my future, future CISO to bartender career transition, right? Because that's a thing. That's a beautiful pour. I'm getting better at it. I feel like I, I feel like the beer glass is too small, Tom. I can see through this one though. That's, it's kind of nice. Well... I can actually almost see through it. It's yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you can quite see through it, but it certainly has a nice, nice golden color to it. It's really citrusy. It's got, wow. Got some haze. That from here. It's, it's got like, a citrus scent for sure. Yeah, a lot of Pours with a really nice a head, too. I like that. Yeah. So if, oh, if it's got oranges? this amount nice. of, yeah, if it's got this amount of orange, is this basically a breakfast beer? Like you have it <laughs> instead of orange juice in the morning? Well, in my world, almost any beer can be a breakfast beer, so... <laughs> Uh, let, let, let's give it a taste and see what it see what we think. Mm, definitely has citrus. I would say it has a, a strong, uh, almost grapefruit flavor to it. I can tell you're you're enjoying it. I'm trying to process it. Like, so the other night we opened a a really nice. Um, bottle of wine a Montepulciano de Bruzzo and admittedly like peasant wine but still nice it had a really great nose on it and it had like no flavor it was like just totally red flat and this it smells like oranges I was expecting oranges what do I get I get beer um, I get beer it's slightly bitter uh, I think you said the taste is hoppy yep it, it definitely has um, hop, it hoppy has to it that it's, it's going to coat your tongue, and so that means it's going to want you to come back and take a second drink. One of these I days, we're like. going to have one that's not going to coat my tongue. It would be favored. I, I have a tongue brush that I use after this show religiously. <laughs> yeah, this is However, good. It, the, it definitely has grapefruit notes. If you're if you're uh, expecting oranges, you're going to get grapefruits. I could actually get grapefruit out of this. I could actually, now that you mention it, 
All right. Well, um, we're going to set Delicious. that aside for a few minutes. And uh, today's topic, we're going to be talking about physical and environment, physical and environmental protection. So, Tom, just at the top, um, for people who are just getting started, what exactly is physical and environmental protection? Yeah, great question. And I don't necessarily think the name uh, tips you off completely. Mm -hmm. So it certainly has elements that are are expected, right? This is about your data center, who has access to it, how they get access to it, how you put uh, visitors and and third parties into the data center to do maintenance work and those kinds of things. So that's that's what I think most people would think of when they think about physical and environmental protection in terms of in terms of a data center. But the environmental piece is really more around, hey, do you have fire suppression equipment? What does it look like? Do you have power monitoring in place? And do you have redundant power in place? Um, it even gets really specific and talks about things like emergency lighting and mm -hmm. temperature and humidity. So, it, you know, it's really the it's really centric around the data center and everything you do in terms of of controlling the environment inside of that data center, both access to and in the the, the heat, humidity, and fire suppression and things like that inside of. Okay, now I've, I've got to ask, Tom, because everything you sounded, said sounded really interesting 20 years ago, um, but as a cloud-first organization, how is that going to actually influence our policies? Yeah, that's a great question. As you mentioned, Hyperproof is a cloud-first, not only a cloud-first, cloud-only organization. So we don't have any data centers, at least none that we own, control, or are responsible from a compliance perspective. That doesn't mean our responsibility here ends. It just means we have to take a different approach than you would if you have an on-prem data center. Okay. So in our world, we have to partner with the agency's data center that we use, which happens to be Azure. Mm -hmm. And we have to make sure that they are in turn compliant. With Microsoft Azure, that's really simple. Microsoft Azure is already FedRAMP compliant. So we can rely on the documentation that proves they are FedRAMP compliant and we get to inherit those controls. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean we just get to say Microsoft and walk away. In the case of, of how we demonstrate our inheritancy in, in our platform, we copy down as proof the documentation of Microsoft sites that points to their own FedRAMP ATO. And then we also point to the FedRAMP marketplace, which lists them as ATO. Okay. Now there's, I was going to say there's something like maybe 15 different major controls underneath this family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have to, you have to document that for each and every one in which you are relying on inheritance. Okay. But I'm, I'm thinking forward, like, so we don't have access to Azure's data centers. Um, thinking forward when we get ready for the audit uh, how how are we going to under that audit show we don't have like we have a lack of access to those data centers yeah it's pretty simple in in terms of azure you can look at the contractual elements of your contract it, it says right in there you don't have access okay but we can also um, simply point to the fact that they are fedramp certified and show proof that that's where our um, um, authorization boundary resides. So those are the elements that have to come together to show your auditor that you don't have responsibility inside of those walls. Okay. And, and again, this is about Azure's data centers. So we have staff, right? And I'm going to lead the witness a little bit here with this question, Tom. Um, so what about if we have staff that work from home um, and they have access to the FedRAMP data? Are they covered by the physical and environmental protection policies? Yeah, good question. And I think most people would suspect that that's where it resides, but it doesn't. 
So the physical and environmental protection controls are really all around the data center. There are certainly controls that apply to people that work from home. Those would fall under different groupings like media protection, access control, um, and there's a, a whole section called personnel security. Those are where the majority of those controls are actually going to fall. It's not going to fall underneath physical and environmental protection. I think that's a little un, unintuitive, but that yeah. is the way it is. Yeah, and a lot of I, th I think a lot of our listeners and viewers will be familiar with applying controls to data irrespective of where it's stored. And so my next question, you, you kind of mentioned, what about a printer? Like you have a printer, it prints out FedRAMP data at home. Wouldn't that be covered under the physical and environmental protection policy? Or is that also one of those non-intuitive alignment exercises? It's definitely one of those non-intuitive alignment exercises. You know, there are a number of controls that should control what gets printed out on a printer, including whether or not you have access to PII or sensitive data at all to print, mm -hmm. which in, in the case of what's underneath the authorization boundary, we do not. So we don't have access into any of our customers' data. So that can't be printed. So that's a good thing. Right. But we still have things like clean desk policies and, and data classifications that govern what can and can't be printed and or left around um, unprotected at home. Okay, this sounds then like the physical and environmental protection policies and procedures for us are going to be quite easy because we're a cloud only organization. But um, what about those organizations that are hybrid, Tom? What, what, what type of challenges are they going to face in this space? Yeah, that's a great question. So you think about it, there's really three different scenarios, right? You're either cloud first like we are, or cloud only like we are. Yeah. Maybe you're an on-prem only organization, so you have do to. Do they still exist? I, I don't know do, if they do. You do. Need I'd, a I'd have time to really think hard to go about find it. one. Yeah, I, I've consulted at um, probably upwards of a hundred companies, and I can't think of one that exists outside of at least a hybrid scenario. But that third scenario is hybrid, which you have some on-prem and some in some cloud provider. In that case, you have a duality of control, right? So you have some that you have to do the process that we've already described, right? You have to go and, and document how your provider is compliant. And if they have FedRAMP already, that's a really easy exercise to do, but you still have to do it. In the case where you have on-prem and it fits inside your authorization boundary, you have to apply all of the controls that are under physical and environmental protection to your own environment. So these are things like tracking down, how is access granted into your data center? How do you escort visitors in? How do you escort maintenance personnel in? Do you have an emergency shutoff in place? So to me, it's a pretty convincing reason why you don't want to have on-prem data centers going forward if you can if you can avoid it. If you can push that level of scrutiny off to uh, a provider, I certainly think you're in a better position to do so. Yeah, I'm laughing because years ago I was doing uh, ITAR compliance, which is different than FedRAMP. Um, and we had a facility that was functionally on premises and just the amount of uh, annoyance when the fire marshal wanted to come and do an inspection of the building, like it was a whole goat rodeo to line that up. So I'm glad that we are absolutely missing out on that experience because it, it's, I do not recommend it to anyone. Um, but speaking well, of recommendations, mention, well, you, you want to talk? I just want to point one more thing out. You, you mentioned okay. uh, uh, fire extinguishers earlier. Sure, sure. And I have had more conversations educating fire marshals on non-water-based fire mm -hmm. suppression than I probably have on any other single thing that I've talked with them in my career. It's hours of my life. So when you want to <laughs> explain what a Caro 25 is to somebody who understands sprinkler heads, it's, it's very difficult. 
<laughs> wet standpipes, dry standpipes. Oh goodness, yes. No, let's not let's not go there. I don't. I think we're we're gonna get into esoteric. Instead, I want us to pivot to beer, um, or at least back to beer. Would this be a good fire suppression? I think it would be. Uh, I think that I, I think it's my review of this. If I had to put out a beer, sorry, if I had to put out a fire with a beer, seven point five percent. You said, oh my lord, and I've had like that. <laughs> Well, it's still, yeah. well, still this... early when we're recording on the West Coast, so this is a weird way to, for me to start my day. Um, if I had to put out a fire with a beer, I would probably use this beer for that. Uh, it's got tastes of, I do agree with you, it has tastes of grapefruit. It also has strong tastes of beer, um, which I can't really <laughs> move past. Uh, but I, I tell you what, it's not, I'm going to be daring here, Tom. I'm going to give it a three. And it's because it has a utilitarian oh. function of a fire extinguisher as well, because there's just so much of it. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, you, you regressed. I thought since it was an IPA, you might uh, bump it up a little bit. I think you I think we were at a four with the last IPA we tried. Um, could be, could I'm be. Very well, familiar. more of a fire suppressant, really. Yeah, I'm very familiar with this this beer. I drink it uh, pretty, pretty regularly. Lagunitas is a great little brewery. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to score it much higher than you. I'm going to give it an eight. I really like the complexity of the bitters in this. I really like the grapefruit tastes. And I think the aroma is second to none. So I love this beer. Fantastic. Well, with that, no that's surprise. all for, for uh, drafting compliance today. Please like and subscribe to see future episodes of the show. And with that, Tom, thanks for your time today. And uh, we'll see you all again next time. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.